Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about Michigan State's 59-53 rock fight victory, I guess you'd say, over Michigan. Uh, before we start, I just want to remind you that if you like what we're doing, you support us, and you can do that financially at thefinalfoursontheschedule.com, where you can either contribute monthly at thefinalfour.com slash support, or you can also support us through one-time donations by, via PayPal or Venmo. Uh, we always appreciate that, and we appreciate the support. And uh, I was at the game, back at the game again tonight, and um, it was, you know, more of an electric sort of feel to the game. We actually, it was interesting, we were there before the game quite a bit for like this basketball reception and Izzo spoke to us before the game and he was really amped up for this game. Uh, and I think, you know, we've talked before in the past and you, we mentioned the last show how controlling emotions is an important thing and to not get too excited about this game. I mean, obviously focus, but that you can be become sort of overwhelming. And he seemed, you know, he even commented that he's like, I need to really, you know, scale it back a little bit and try and calm down a little bit. So you know, and that certainly was my initial impression of that game. That you know, certainly with the shooting performance from Michigan State, especially early, it seemed there was just too much energy in that. And then I think also, Madi Sissoko on the offensive end really struggled, uh, just playing too fast, and uh, just like he sort of did last season. You know, the few times you'd see him come in the game, and so a game that neither team shot well, and as badly as Michigan State shot and missed open shots. Michigan was even worse. Uh, they were, Michigan <laughs> was three of 20 for three. Uh, most of those contested. They weren't left open too much. And Michigan State, with a lot of open shots, yeah. uh, only hits, connected in six of 19. I mean, we were sitting there at the stands and thinking to ourselves, if if Michigan State hits, you know, the usual, you know, these wide open threes, it's at least a 20-point game at halftime instead of right. as close as it was. I mean, what the halftime score... <laughs> And State was up, what, 10 points? Nine. 27, eight, nine, 27, 18. I mean, it should have easily been 40, 18. I think, you know, and that's not like a, too much of a stretch. And the few shots that Michigan State was getting to fall late when they're having, when they're struggling, you know, continuously, that one three by Walker that went straight up in the air and they fell through. Yep. Those, those are the ones going through in the wide open race. They were air balls. It was, it was a weird game. It was a very strange game, and I, I suspect, and I have not seen Izzo's uh, post-game press conference yet, but I suspect he would probably concur with your assessment. It was my assessment as well. I just think there was so much energy and emotion that uh, it, it led to a tight performance because early on, it wasn't even just the shots not falling. MSU was also back to hemorrhaging turnovers. Yeah, now, right. They got and, and so was Michigan for that matter. Now both teams got it under control, 
MSU ended up with 12 and Michigan with 10, which was not horrible. But early on, both teams just kicking the ball around, couldn't get shots to fall. I, I also, and it's not surprising, you would expect Michigan fans after a three for 20 performance from three saying, oh, missed opportunity. And we just had shots go down. But the quality of shot, in my opinion, that Michigan State got in this game compared to, to Michigan, there was a marked difference in favor of oh, Michigan yeah. State. At Michigan State missed wide open looks. Michigan, for the most part, had their threes contested. And that's just the truth. Um, yep. You know, I, and I'm trying to be as objective as I can, but honestly, I think that's an, an accurate statement. I mean, how many wide open threes did Joey Hauser miss? I mean, for the game, who's, you know, he was one for seven from three. And I'll bet the six that he missed, I, I think they were all wide open. Yeah. Meaning maybe one sort of someone coming towards him. Yeah. To get those yeah. shots off. And he wasn't the only one struggling. So, you know, that's, that's the thing looking at the game that I try to evaluate first is okay. What kind of quality look was each team getting? And I think Michigan state's offense was much more effective than Michigan's um, in terms of generating good looks. It's just, they weren't hitting them. If they had shot normally. Yeah. I'm with the, you know, given that this ended up what a six point margin in the end, if they had shot normally, you're probably talking about somewhere between a 12 and 15 point spread at least, mm -hmm. which I think yeah. is honestly reflective of where the two teams were today in terms of the way that they played. I thought Michigan state was decisively better. And yet the final score really doesn't reflect that as much because again, those quality looks they got just didn't drop. Um, and I think you have to ascribe that to nerves, energy, emotion, just not it's and sometimes this happens you know there are lots of times where either side really rises to the occasion and plays a great game we've seen it many many times but sometimes this is a rock fight and sometimes this is what happens in rivalry games and i think that's what we saw today and i'm just glad that michigan state still got the win because you know what it it doesn't for the in terms of the standings and everything that matters <laughs> It doesn't really mean much as to whether they won this thing by 15 or they won it by six. You know, yeah. we'd feel a little bit better and, and sure, surely fans would woofing to their uh, Michigan buddies on Monday. But uh, for what really matters, a win is a win is a win is a win. And they got it. And there were still even considering how much they struggled. I think there were some big plays and big moments. You know, I thought. I thought A.J. Hogard really had probably all things considered maybe his best game of the year. Certainly, given the stakes, it was important. You know, he was he was 6 of 10 from the floor, 1 for 1 from 3, 2 of 2 at the line, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 turnover, had 2 steals, his 15 points tied for the team lead. And he played very good defense all day, too. So I think it was a – you know, and I guess in the end – if I look at it, where did Michigan State have the decisive advantage in this game? What well, was exactly where we thought they would coming in and probably where we thought they would in October at the guard spots. Michigan State's guards right. are more experienced and they're just better basketball players right now.
And that's, yeah. that's it. I mean, MSU's guards were markedly better than Michigan's. I mean, if you look at MSU's guards here at Hogard with 15, Tyson Walker with 14, Jaden Akins with six, um, Michigan, Kobe Bufkin had 15, um, and then Doug McDaniel with a, with a, uh, with a donut. And, you know, that's really it for their pure guards. They don't have a lot of pure guards, but you know, Buffkin got 15, but he was only four for 11 from the floor and he was zero for three from three. And he's been red hot from three coming into this game. So that was a big deal. Um, you know, most of Buffkin's production actually came at the line, but, uh, yeah. if you count jet Howard as a guard, he had 10 points, but it wasn't a great 10. You know, three for eight from the four, two for six from three, two for two at the line. Uh, so I think I think that's where it was won, right? Is Michigan State's guard play is just a lot better than Michigan's right now, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot better than most teams they play in the Big Ten. That's the truth, and that's why even with uh, the issues Michigan State has, which are real, you know, um, the, no one's pretending this is a perfect team or a team without flaws, but when you have guards like Michigan state has, that's going to give you a shot against anybody, anybody. And more often than not, I think it's going to be a, a fairly important factor in determining the winner. So I think that's what we saw, right? Michigan state's guards were just that much better. Yeah. And I, you know, it's always tough in the, in the arena to get a feel for the officiating. Uh, and, you know, calling fouls and things like that. I, I, I have a word for you, spotty. Of another word, inconsistent. Was it my imagination, or were they just had they just missed like two or three out of bounds plays? That they they missed off, they off missed Michigan. one horrendous they missed one horrendously late in the game where um I think it was like Shatter over there or something. I think it yeah. was Shatter from Michigan. Clearly hit the ball last. And it was with under five to go, but obviously they, they didn't go over to check. Um, that was a, yeah, that was just a, a flat out miss. No question about it. Not even close. Uh, fortunately, Michigan then missed the shot on the ensuing yeah. possession. So MSU didn't end up paying for it. But if they had, yeah, that would be a moment people would have been talking about. Um, yeah, they just, I, to me, the big thing was, as is usually the case in these games, if you want to call it tight, okay. If you want to let them play, as the cliche goes, okay. But be consistent. Just be consistent so that people know what's going to be a foul and what isn't. And right. I felt like this was two very different halves. I thought the first half, they largely let a lot of, you know, what I would call incidental contact go. And in the second mm -hmm. half, they were calling a lot more of it. And so, it's not that, oh, they were, you know, they were, uh, they were angling to keep Michigan in the game or, you know, any of that nonsense. It's just that when you call games that differently, it is very, very hard to get a rhythm. And that was not the sole reason that it was an ugly game, but it played a role in it. I do believe sure. that when the officiating is not, is inconsistent, that's going to make most other things inconsistent too. So it's not a great crew. I mean, th this is, this is a crew that I think it was the night before in the Indiana, Iowa game called a technical <laughs> on Indiana's uh, Geronimo who 
Indiana hit a shot. He was under the basket, caught the ball, and in one motion threw it to the ref for the in, you know, to give it, then check the ball, give it to Iowa for the inbound. He kind of lobbed it, but he threw it right at him. One motion guy teed him up. It was Courtney green. Yeah. So I, I, I will say that I watched, so I watched the game, of course, the Iowa game uh, with my wife. Uh, and that was the third time he'd done that in the game. And well, so what I, what's that? So what? That's not, well, no, but that's not look, but I think he, be, but he had been talked to, I think he'd been talked about it because, you know, I would try much like Michigan state. They try and get the ball out quick, you know? And so I, he was delaying the game and I think that's what they called him for. And but I think they had warned del- him before. But it wasn't a delay of the game. I watched the play. I mean, he caught the ball and in one motion threw it to the ref. If you want to call guys for kicking the ball and the other nonsense that they do to slow running teams down, okay. That's not what he did. It was horrendous. I mean, I, I know I'm talking to an Iowa quasi fan. But yes, no, I <laughs> but no, I understand, right? But, uh, it, it, and I get it. This crew is not great. And and I whatever his name is, Larry Scloretto. Serato Serato yeah, or the, something, the, yeah. Yeah. Miss Mr. Uh Mr. Charles Atlas. Um yeah. I, I've never been a fan, never yeah, been a fan. Um, so it's, again, it's not that, oh, they were tilting the, tilting the balance in favor of Michigan or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I, I, I am saying there was an inconsistent whistle from half to half and that is a problem. Yeah. And, and that's no, I the kind totally of agree. thing. That's the kind of thing I, you know, my, my two cents is I would like officials to actually call fouls the way I believe they're designed to be enforced, which is you call a foul if one side or the other has a meaningful advantage as a, as a result of some action. You know, that's what a foul is supposed to be. Um, but I don't blame the officials for not doing that exclusively because they've got to answer to other people. So fine. If that's the way it's going to be, I can choose to not like that uh, a a uh, a closely enforced rule book but at least if it's called consistently you can adjust to that the problem comes in when you can't adjust because these guys are all over the map and that's what i thought they were yeah no i i think so too we just got i mean the heckler behind me was he was annoying but it's actually funny we had um you know because of course it's a full arena for the most part there was a the one at the empty seat that's next to us usually was filled by someone, a Michigan State fan. And of course, Michigan fans everywhere. And I think I mentioned before in the pregame that the Maze Craze, is that what they call themselves? Maze Rage, uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, so they were actually, I said many sections. They're actually just one section over and up maybe like 10 rows from us. And they're uh-huh. about, like I guess, about they're about six rows of 10 of those kids or 60 of them. They were kind of chanting go blue early in the game. And they didn't really do anything the rest of the game. It's kind of weird. I mean... In the past, and I'd say that I know they were losing most of the game, but they usually are always like raucous, and so it was strange that they didn't make much noise. But the funny thing is, the guy next to us, uh, so there are four Michigan fans sitting in front of us. The guy next to us, is a Michigan State fan, and then at some point in the, I think it was a the, or late in the first half, uh, four Michigan fans are coming up to sit in our section because there were, there were about five seats empty behind me in the row, and he's. And he's like, what are you guys doing? And they're just like, well, you know, they're explaining something. Well, the way the Izone works, and this the kid next to us was probably did graduate a couple of years ago. He 
he was in the end zone. And so what happens is they have just general seating. So, you know, first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. And once the lower bowl is full, you go to the upper bowl. But the rule in the upper bowl is if someone has those seats, you have to give them up to whoever it is. And then you just have to sit, find some other spot. So those guys, those Michigan fans, you know, they had those seats. And of course, you know, the his own guys weren't going to give them the seats. So they walked all the way over to our section to try and get some open seats. So this guy said, oh, no, I know. Well, so he goes over there. He actually got there and got him into their seats. <laughs> he came back and we're like, wow, he's those guys are sitting right in the middle of the his own. <laughs> and he, he just he turned us. He smiled. He said, yeah, I don't think they would have a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, we got the guys behind us. We got the ones in front of us. We didn't need any more around us. <laughs> so, now, now, let me, um, since we're talking about the atmosphere, uh, I've seen media reports that the app, and I'm not sure how early you were there. Were you there? I was there real early, 45 okay. minutes early into so the arena. I was told, or I saw reports that um, the atmosphere for Michigan's warm up, and specifically, of course, Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> Was at a level <laughs> that you don't see. Was that was that the case? I so I'll say f- first thing I'd say is I'm never at the game that early. So it was because we're we are at this basketball luncheon, you know, that we saw Thomaso speak. So we happened to be in the arena way early, and it was really pretty humorous. Every time he laid it up, they gave the Bronx cheer and they're yelling right. at him and stuff. The his own because his own gets there like an hour before. Right. I mean, I think you know when we sit down, the, the lower bowl is totally full. So. I don't know what it's normally like, but it was it was pretty pretty intense as far as like yelling at him and heckling and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I guess I again I don't know what it's normally like, but they seem to be very very uh, very much uh, criticizing their layup line. How did you find the atmosphere for the game? It was good, and uh, you know, I it wasn't. I think because they were Michigan State was unable to hit a jumper. Yeah. It really was not able to, you weren't able to really get into the game a ton yeah. because it was, there was so much struggle offensively. And I mean, I think the atmosphere was otherwise fine. I mean, they're when they had their little runs and stuff, but it was hard to get, you know, there was no momentum really gaining that, that game. There weren't there were hardly any runs. And so I, you really couldn't ever feel that momentum or the crowd never got into it a ton. I mean, it was, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't totally hate filled, you know, it wasn't like lots of vitriol and stuff like that. It was, I mean, it was a 12-point game most of the game. Uh, yeah. Two games, teams that couldn't shoot. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and that's what it felt like um, through the TV screen. I, I, I thought it was good. It didn't seem – I thought that – obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about it. I really thought that this had an opportunity to be a very memorable one and perhaps memorable for bad reasons, for negative reasons, depending upon how it unfolded. Um I think that we can all breathe a sigh of relief that there weren't any incidents. That's a good thing. Um, You know, because whoever, regardless of who might deserve a little something extra or not, you don't, you don't (laughs) want that because uh, for, for for obvious reasons, right. It goes without saying, but I, yeah, I I'm with you. I, it felt like it was never able to really get turned loose. It, it, the one point that I thought it was close is when MSU came right out of the gate in the second half, got it up to 14 almost immediately. Yeah. And it seemed like it was teetering on the edge. And if they had been able to push it, get it closer, you know, move it up to let's say 20, I think the roof would have come off, but that would have required them straining together a number of offensive possessions in a row. And as you say, they just weren't able to sustain that for most of the day. 
Yeah. I mean, they just weren't able to shoot, right? I mean, and the one time we thought maybe something might be happening is when Jace gave uh, Malik a little shove at the very yeah. end of the first half. And, it, and you know, after I would say afterwards in the when Malik, I don't even know if he caught on TV, but he sort of checked to make sure Malik was okay and stuff before he shot the free throw. He came up and, you know, gave him a little high five. So it was not like, it was a basketball play, but I think it was just kind of one of those mm. things. I don't... It, it was a, it was a hip check and i i look i don't have any idea anymore what constitutes a flagrant or what doesn't <laughs> you could argue that it was not in fact a basketball play but they didn't see it that way all right i've seen worse it it wasn't it wasn't an oh my god they have to call that i i agree with it i go that far um, yeah. The thing that was crazy to me is why he felt compelled to touch Malik Call in the first place. It was well, just right. a complete was, yeah. lack of awareness. It was just a dumb, dumb play. And it caught, I mean, they just gifted Michigan State two points. There was no reason for it. You have to have clock awareness, situation awareness. Say you don't touch Malik Call. What exactly does he do with it? Does he even get to the ball to try to throw it back in? And there's <laughs> right. not enough time to do anything with it. It was just very, yeah. very dumb. Look, I mean, I think the you could sum up that game, I think, pretty simply. You mentioned the guard play, and I think that was definitely, you know, the difference in the game in many ways. But you have a, te- a team of veterans and season, ve- and you have a team of freshmen, largely. Absolutely. Right. And and that's what it looked like in that game. But players who just kind of didn't know what to do in the situation. They didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't have much awareness. They weren't running their stuff. They weren't connected on defense. I mean, if Michigan State hits their shots normally, that is not even a remotely close game. That could almost have been 30 points. I mean, it could have been a complete blowout. Yeah, uh, so, I, I I agree that, that Michigan State could have had a significantly more comfortable margin and should have, um, that it was their inability to hit shots, open shots, that kept it competitive, as competitive as it was. But you're right. If you look at the guys who stepped up and delivered, so AJ Hogard, 15 points, junior. Malik Hall, 15 points, senior. Um, Tyson Walker, 14 points, senior. Even Joey Hauser had a miserable day shooting the basketball, 10 rebounds and a big, big bucket late. When they ran a great out of bounds play, he got fouled. It wasn't called, but then he he maintained his his poise to go right back, get the offensive rebound, go right back up with it, finally squeeze it through the hoop. But that was a big that was a big play in the moment. That was under two minutes to play, I believe, and yeah. and kept the lead. You know, kept the margin. I think in that five to seven range. Um, but that's your veterans. That's all junior and a junior and three seniors. And, and you're right. When you look at Michigan outside of Dickinson, who were their guys that were trying to get things out of? Well, Howard, who's a freshman, uh, their point guard, who's a freshman and doesn't score Buffkin, who's a sophomore, you know, it's, it's a different deal and experience does matter. It absolutely does. And I think today, in addition to the difference in the guard play, I think that you're you're onto something with that. I think it was that one team had more veterans who have been there um, and know what making a winning play requires and went and made enough of them to win. Yep, I think so too. Yeah, I th- that that was a um, a rough game, but it's one where 
I think, you know, you can look at it, and the, the one real positive I think you come away with the game in general is that Michigan State's defense was very good. I mean, they left Michigan was discombobulated yes. almost the entire game, yeah. no matter who was at the point, whether it was Bufkin or whether it was Howard briefly or whether it was McDougal. Uh, McDaniel, uh, yeah. McDaniel, yeah. They really had never had any sort of stuff going. They never had any, never got any sort of rhythm at all. A couple, just aside from just maybe a few like layups they got late in the game. I mean, they just, they were just flummoxed. They didn't really know what was going on. The one area they struggled in, which uh, was not a surprise, is when they had to go away from Mahdi and in some pick and roll stuff. Um, You know, Jackson Kohler again. Now, he did have a few possessions. I, I had posted at the end of the first half that there was a segment of maybe two to three minutes in that first half where MSU had Kohler in the game and Michigan had Hunter Dickinson out there and Michigan never went to Dickinson during that stretch. I couldn't believe that strange too. I thought, are, are they, do they not realize it? (laughs) You know, cause that should be an automatic bucket. Now in the second half, they did try that and Kohler actually held up pretty well in those straight up, you know, low post possessions. He did not hold up as well in pick and roll, which again is not a surprise. Uh, But other than that, I'm with you. I thought Michigan State's defensive performance was pretty damned good. Yeah. And I I think partly a haul too, don't you? I mean, I think there were a number of times he'd come down to help and then he'd go back out and was able to cover the guy outside too. Now, Malik had one blown tire moment there late when, which kept Michigan barely afloat. He was supposed to switch on to Dickinson for that three that took it from a seven-point game to a four-point game, and he he apparently thought he wasn't supposed to switch, and uh, Dickinson just raised up and hit a three. Other than that, I thought Malik was very good in this game and definitely provides a, a necessary presence. I mean, that's putting it mildly. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I... I I liked the way, you know, Dickinson's numbers ended up okay. He shot 50% from the floor, which again is a little under what he normally does. So you could say that's a mild victory. He was eight for 16 from the floor, one for three from three, one for two at the line, only seven rebounds though. Um, And he had zero assists, one turnover. That matters because if he's not getting any assists, yeah. That means that Michigan's offense isn't really functioning the way they want it to, because what they want to do is they want him to draw extra attention and then be in a position where he can go make a play for somebody else or make get a hockey assist, make the pass that leads to the pass. That didn't really happen in this game. And I thought Michigan State, they didn't play it the way I thought they would. Instead, and and Izzo kind of telegraphed this earlier in the week, and you never know how much he means it or doesn't in those in those scenarios. But here, he clearly meant it. They threw a lot of different looks at Hunter Dickinson. Sometimes they would play him straight up, one on one, no help. Other times they'd send a guy down from the perimeter to dig. It would kind of depend upon uh, what player they were guarding on the perimeter. You know, if it's McDaniel, well, hey, send him. If it's Joey Baker or if it's Jed Howard, maybe you don't send him. And then they had times where they had more of a conventional double down where the power forward, if it was Hauser or Hall, whoever would, would come over and, and, uh, and bring a double. They gave him and the pace of it, like when a guy would come was varied. I thought they did a really nice job 
And that's weird to say when the guy scores, you know, he's the high scorer in the game. He shot 50% from the floor. You're like, well, that's not a terrible game at all, but he didn't dominate that game. You know, no. not at all. Uh, he had a big second half in terms of point production because he only had four at halftime. So it means he got 14 in the second half, but um, it was a weird, you know, considering he took 16 shots. I don't know how it felt to you. I look back at those two games last year, even the game that Michigan state beat them at Breslin. I Dickinson just felt like a much bigger part of those games than he did in this one. He just, yeah, I just I felt agree. he kind of drifted his way through this and he did. He never really found any emotion to play with. I mean, I thought he was, he was just pretty blah the whole way. I think he was, he, he looked disinterested. I mean, which yeah. is weird. And, and we talked before, you know, comparing him to Garza, like that mission needed him to become a Garza, a guy who just has a huge motor and never stops. And as much as Garza was neutralized when they came to a couple years ago to Breslin, it wasn't like uh, it was different, right? I mean, that the guy was working like a dog and he was doing everything he could do to get. And I just feel like Dickinson was really floating through the game. I mean, he, I don't know. I mean, he just didn't seem for a guy who said he needs his fuel. It, he didn't really use any of it. No, and exactly. And I look, I, and you could say, well, he didn't, he didn't have a horrible game, but he didn't have the kind of game that you need a guy in his position to have. Yeah, you he's know? your best player. They, it, it, that guy who's going to be the focal point of the opposing crowd's hate, all of that stuff, you need that guy to really put it on his shoulders and just say, I'm, I'm taking everybody out. And there was none of that kind of fire from him. He just, in that aspect of things, like the emotional aspect of things, he strikes me as a front runner. And I've I've been saying that for (laughs) a couple weeks now, at least leading into this game that look, he plays this role of being this guy wants to bring on the opponent's hate and, you know, wants to be the heel, the bad guy, all of that. Sorry, man. I saw Scott Skiles. You're no Scott Skiles <laughs> or Nate. You can name another, you know, any number of guys who fall into that category for real. And Hunter Dickinson, as they say, ain't it. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, he's you're right. He's the guy who taunts you when he's up 10, but he doesn't really talk when he it doesn't. He doesn't work to get back up. Yeah, he's a front yeah, runner. Right. Yeah. And, you know, OK game. But I think if you if you tell Michigan State heading into the game, he gets 18 and seven. He shoots 50% from the floor, no assists. You take it. You take it because you figure the rest of their guys aren't good enough that they're going to be able to do enough on their own to beat you. If that's all you're getting from Hunter Dickinson and turns out it was correct. And you look at the, the first half. I mean, he was the leading scorer for Michigan at halftime was Reed with five which was uh, not a, certainly not any bingo card. And I would almost argue that Reed was definitely better playing the first half than Dickinson was. I've seen him play. Yeah, I've seen him because I've seen not every Michigan game, but most of them probably, the vast majority. That's the best I've ever seen him look. I thought he was really active, really engaged. I mean, it's unfortunate because, you know, last spring, Jackson Kohler just embarrassed Terrace Reed in an all-star game. I mean, just de-pantsed him. Um, <laughs> and Reed got his vengeance today because he went through Jackson a couple times 
Like and then, and I think well maybe one time and then one time did it against Mahdi. I yeah I thought I thought Reed was he understand it of course you're never going to play him over Dickinson but honestly I thought Michigan had more energy when Reed was on the floor because he was playing with more energy but that was yeah if you're a Michigan fan that's one of the few things you could come away with feeling good about is that you got a really really good effort out of Terrace Reed in his first game in the rivalry so you know and and they're likely going to need him one would assume Dickinson finally leaves after this year so that starting five spot is probably Reed's come next season they need him to emerge as a guy who can be a reliable you know big minute player and that was a very encouraging performance from him in my opinion yeah no I totally agree well, why don't we break and then we'll come back with the five keys. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so the five keys of the game, number one, 15 to 18. And I think, you know, the one thing that was not surprising is that the pick and roll, that shot, or at least being able to exploit Dickinson was there, I mean, the entire game. Michigan State got exactly what they wanted, but they just weren't able to hit them. Uh, I'm going to disagree. Okay. I'm going to disagree. Okay. It, was, it was something that actually was very, very surprising to me, the way that Michigan opted to play pick and roll. Uh, they varied their looks, but especially in the first half, Hunter Dickinson came on hard or semi-hard hedges far more than I ever would have anticipated. The disappointing thing was Michigan State didn't make him pay for it as much as they should have early in the game. They got one first half lob to Mahdi for a dunk off that, but then they had a, they had one in the second half. Mahdi couldn't get his feet set and blew the dunk. Um, there were opportunities there that I don't think were taken advantage of. Um, I do think that there were a few times where Michigan State's guards were able to get past him and take him to the rim. Tyson did it. AJ did it. So there was a little bit of an attacking mindset there. But Michigan did not play drop coverage the whole game the way I assumed they would. This was this was a different approach and. You know, I posted about it on the Spartan Mag board at halftime that I was very surprised. And Jim Comperoni said he saw the same thing. And his take was that it was kind of a desperation move by Michigan, that they knew they yeah. couldn't just play drop coverage the whole way. 
and and get by because with Michigan State's guards, you're playing with fire. And so they tried to mix it up and to varying degrees of success. Now, I will say in the second half, especially A.J. Hogard did do the things that we were talking about. Those shots Mm -hmm. were there for him and he hit them. They just weren't there as consistently as I'd expected because Michigan kind of varied the way they played it. Now, interestingly, that's what Michigan did in the game at Breslin last year. They, they didn't play exclusively drop coverage. Michigan state did a much better job of exploiting it in that game because AJ Hogard made a living taking him to the rim. And then when he wasn't doing that, they were torturing him with Joey Hauser on the perimeter. Um, but the, the 15 to 18 foot game mattered. It just didn't matter quite as often as I'd expected it to. Michigan did not play the way they normally do. The number two key was guarding the arc and, uh, you know, Michigan was three for 20 and they had very few that were open and the people who were open were people you wanted to leave open. And it was a, I think it was a great, great, uh, and, and I would even say, yeah, the people who even had open looks sort of looked open, but they always had people flying at them with hands up. And so they made it difficult for them. I think, you know, Michigan shot miserably worse than they, I think normally would just like Michigan State was shooting poorly. But it was at least in part, if not largely in part, to Michigan State's defense. I thought Michigan State did a good job. I do think um, I, I would give most of the credit to Michigan State, but Michigan did miss, their, particularly um, Joey Baker. Joey Baker, who's been just on fire lately and is above 50, was above 50% from three on the year. And that's pretty much all he does is take threes. Um, he was 0 for 3 in this game, and he had a couple of them. I know one was in a semi-transition situation where might have even been Dickinson just kind of flipped the ball back to Baker, and he had a wide-open three that he missed. But those were not frequent. Um, but you look at the guys that are their real weapons from three. Um, Buffkin, 0 for 3. Jet Howard, 2 for 6, so under what he normally shoots. And then Baker zero for three. That's a big deal. Those three guys being held down the way they were. So what was that? Two for a combined uh, 12, two for 12 between those three players on the game. That's it's going to be very tough for Michigan to win. If that's happening. I thought what we would see was more of an emphasis on staying at home on the three point shooters and kind of letting Dickinson work one-on-one. But Michigan State actually managed very impressively, I think, to walk that balance where they actually were able to send people. But as you were saying, it's not like they were giving up a bunch of uncontested three-point looks as a result. They were actually able to dig down and recover or bring a double and then get back to the shooter. They didn't, they didn't get exploited. That was the big thing. And boy, you can't argue with 15%, you know, I feel like a number of those doubles, like, especially when Joey came off his man were when Dickinson was sort of on the baseline. And so he didn't have as many options to pass. So he would come back from the, from the weak side, come over and double and Dickinson really couldn't do anything except go, you know, you only got like 90 degrees of passing at that point. And then you allows you more time to recover. And so just kind of smart doubles, in order to stop things without exposing yourself too much. To the I line. agree. I think that was part of it. I agree. Yep. 
so the next one is transition. Well, you know, if we look at fast break points, I think they say 12 to 8. So, you know, Michigan State got some stuff done at the, on, in transition, not a ton. And I think it's been sort of like the rest of the season. In the first half, I thought it was important for Michigan State. I think it was Teto at halftime. Um, and again, fast break points. I, I, I don't know but how, how they make that decision, how they're charting it. But I do think Michigan State actually did get some things out of transition or the secondary break. Um, not a ton because it wasn't a game that was played that way. But I'm going to give Michigan State some credit. I thought that they, they exploited them just often enough to carve out a bit of an advantage. And that's important. You know, if you get a little bit of an edge there, that that's going to matter. The number four key to the game was the glass. Uh, Michigan state won the rebounding game of uh, 38 to 34. So barely against a poor rebounding team, uh, Michigan rebounded uh, 14% of their misses and Michigan state was better at 20%, but still both, poor offensive yeah. rebounding efforts by both teams. So really no no advantage there and not what you would expect or certainly hope for after the performance against Nebraska. You hope that it carried over a little bit. But at the same time, a little bit of an edge for Michigan State and that was enough. I think what, what would have been, you, you would hope for better and this Michigan team has been susceptible. I mean, that's Really, the main reason they lost the game against Central Michigan is they just got pounded on the offensive glass. Central just made a living with second-chance points. Um, so you hoped that maybe that, plus the way MSU rebounded against Nebraska on the offensive end, that maybe that would come together and you'd see a better performance than we've typically witnessed this year. But um, didn't happen. You know, look, I, I keep saying this. <laughs> you look at a number of key indicators for this Michigan state team, um, the way they're valuing the ball, the way they're not offensive rebounding, but they are defensive rebounding and the pace that they're playing at and the way that they're able to win these low scoring games, by the way, they're undefeated this year. I think they're six and zero or seven and zero now. I'd have to look at it when opponents fail to score 60 points. That, isn't a Michigan state profile. That's like a Wisconsin profile, right. but, but it's working. And that I, I just, the more I see it, the more I'm not saying that that is an intentional thing that they set out to do this year. But I think when you look at, at how these games are unfolding, it's, these are themes that are coming up over and over and over. And at a certain point, you just kind of have to accept that that's what they are. I'll never accept that we're that Michigan State's Wisconsin, but I know I hear what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I would say uh, Michigan State. I think the last five opponents, not the last five teams, have not scored sixty points. I think they've all been in the fifties. Um, you know, so it's pretty impressive. This, this one looked for a while. I didn't think Michigan was going to break fifty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no it was question. they. They got there in the end. The 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 Dickinson three. Um, got them to whatever was 53. Um, but it, that and some free throws late, um, they wouldn't have broken 50. The fifth and final key to the game was emotion. I think, I think I'd say this is a 
you know, a push, if not, well, probably advantage Michigan State because although I think both teams, maybe the emotion was too much for them as far as their abysmal shooting, Michigan State was able to sort of grind everything else out and manage to do the other things and control it to, to pull out the win. Yeah, we, I, I think it's, I think it's a win here. If, if only for the fact that Michigan State did not allow emotion to completely take them out of the game, which can happen. Um, yep. For all the offensive struggles, and I think we both agree, this probably played a part in that. Guys just being too tight, wanting to do too too well. You know, sometimes that could take you out of your rhythm. But it didn't affect them defensively. And they never, you know, nobody blew up and lost their cool. Um, after the first few minutes of the game, the the turnover problem stopped. You know, they were taking care of the ball. They were getting up shot opportunities. They weren't just kicking it around. Um, so I think they did well enough in this area to warrant saying, yeah, that was a positive. Because sometimes it can get you. It, there have definitely been Michigan State, Michigan games in the past where I felt like MSU came out wanting it a little too much and it affected them. Um, it was really, you know, Somebody made the point on social media. I forget it was some media figure. I forget who it was. Maybe Brendan Quinn from the athletic, but I, I really do think he nailed it. This was just such an uneventful Michigan, Michigan state game. <laughs> like we're usually, you know, we usually come here and we're talking about all these flashpoint moments and, Oh, Jawan Howard lost it or, Oh, Izzo went off on the officials and this guy got teed up. I mean, there was the double technical uh, with Walker and McDaniel in the first half, but that was like the play had stopped. That yeah, was like after, yeah. I think there was a review or something going on when those guys got teed up. So it wasn't even in the flow of play that you knew it. Um, other than that, you know, guys that we talked about Dickinson was just kind of a blah, low energy performance. Um, none of Mich Michigan state's guys, I thought played with a little more obvious emotion, but, um, you know, Hogard and, and Walker, especially, but, um, neither of those guys ever got close to being out of control. Uh, it was just kind of a, in, in a lot of ways, if you didn't know it was a Michigan, Michigan state game, you might've thought that was, you know, Minnesota on a Wednesday night. In February, <laughs> yep. right? I mean, yeah. it just didn't yeah. have those flashpoints we're kind of used to. Yeah, I I'll admit, I have not watched Michigan much this season. I think I saw the second half against Arizona State, which, you know, of course, was already a complete blowout at that point. I watched part of the second half against Penn State. I think that might be all I've watched of them. Maybe I watched a little bit of them playing in the AC Big Ten Challenge. I can't recall. They just don't look like a very good team. I mean, I think part of it is Michigan State is an exceptionally bad matchup for them in that they can exploit their, you know, almost yeah. designed to exploit a guy like Dickinson a ton. Yep. yep. Uh, but, I mean, I was, I, they just didn't seem like they had much to that they couldn't do. Obviously, very well, good defensively, but they were really much poorer than I had expected offensively, uh, especially their shooting. You know, it's interesting. They came into this game scoring 77 points a game, I believe. So Michigan State just put the clamps down right yeah. now. Again, a Michigan bias is going to say, well, we shot ourselves in the foot. We only hit three of 23s. You know, we 
we made a, you know, we, we had trouble with turnovers in the first half, you know, all of these things that are, it's on us, it's on us. We of course have a different view of it, that a lot of those problems were a result of what Michigan state did to them. Um, and I, I think we have the better end of that argument, trying to be as objective as I possibly can be. But I do think Michigan has, Michigan at the very least has the potential on any given night offensively to really, really tune some people up because we know Dickinson is capable of big games. Jet Howard is capable of that. And now Kobe Bufkin is consistently settling into this role of being a double digit scorer, you know, even a mid teens guy like he was in this game. And so that's a lot of firepower to have in three guys that can, you know, are really tough covers because they're all very difficult covers each in their own way. Defensively is where I think Michigan's got problems. And that might sound funny on a night where they held Michigan State to 38% from the floor and 59 points. But as we said, I thought Michigan State's offense largely got what they wanted. They just didn't make open shots. Mm -hmm. And on a different night, that performance probably would have looked significantly different on the defensive end for Michigan. So, you know, you could say that maybe there, there's some, there's some level of improvement on that end, but they got a long way to go to even be average defensively in my mind. And the problem they've got is twofold. It's that they've got a real serious issue with Dickinson because of what he can't do physically as a defender. And then I think some of their perimeter guys just aren't experienced enough, just aren't locked in enough, you know, two freshmen and a sophomore. It's been tough all year long for those guys to defend. And I didn't think they did a great job today. I just saw Michigan state. Like we keep saying a lot of open looks. They didn't can and missed badly too, like really. Oh, badly. air balls! I don't know how many air balls I missed. Like three or four. I, it's crazy. I mean, I don't but think we've yeah, seen that many all season. It was crazy. Yeah, crazy stuff you don't ever see. I mean, I would bet the house Joey Hauser won't go one for seven against anybody the rest of the Big Ten. It won't happen. You know, so I thought, uh, yeah, that's where that's where I think I am with Michigan. I, I they're three and one now in the league, so they're tied with MSU, but. Um, they had a very fortuitous start to their schedule and actually their schedule stays relatively easy, as easy as it can be in the big 10 for the next couple of weeks while MSU goes through a bit of a gauntlet here, but it's going to toughen up substantially once we get into late January for Michigan. And, and that's when I think the rubber is going to hit the road. Um, we'll see if they can make any improvements, but right now I think it's very iffy that they're a tournament team. Yeah, no, I think that's a lot's going to have to change. They just don't have a resume for it, you know, and, and they're fortunate enough that the big 10 will give them opportunities for quad one wins. Mm -hmm. If they can roll, you know, four or five of those up, maybe that'll be enough. But right now I think it's a very, very tenuous case. Yeah, and I think you really saw the difference in guard play, with, and you saw the advantage we talked about before the season began that Michigan State's with Aikens, Walker, and Hogard, and even Holloman to some extent yeah. as well. I mean, what a what what a thing you can throw out on the court, and Michigan had no answer for it. They're unable to really get going in their offense because of those guys just harassing them and being able to switch 
and it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And, and I was really even impressed that a number of times they got Jet Howard switched under Walker, and he couldn't do anything against Walker, even though he's got what like six seven inches. That's the thing. So physically, that's a matchup that you think, oh, it's Jet Howard should just take him down down around the rim and just destroy him, right? He's given up like seven inches. But Jet Howard doesn't play that way. Jet Howard is mostly a jump shooter. He's mostly a perimeter guy. And so if that's going to be the way he plays, well, you can get away with Tyson Walker. Tyson Walker did a great job on yeah. him. I don't think he did. I don't think he did much damage when Tyson was guarding him. And you're right. There were several possessions of that. I thought it was really interesting to me. MSU, even apart from their normal switching, I thought, there was a lot of variety in who was guarding who from possession to possession, uh, much more so than we usually see. Michigan State really did a lot to mix it up, and I think that probably had something to do with keeping Michigan off balance and preventing them from ever really finding a rhythm. They just could never, they could never get comfortable. Yep, and I would even say, you know, Brooks is in play twelve minutes, which he missed both his threes, which were you know both good looks that he normally hits again. You know, say that about everybody. Defensively, he had no. I don't remember any issue that he had defensively that where he gave anything. I'm up. glad you brought it up. I thought that was a really good game defensively from Pierre Brooks in the minutes he had. He never got taken advantage. You know, we talk about Jackson Kohler. He had a couple good moments defensively, but then some of the more usual struggles. Uh, Pierre Brooks, the other guy that's kind of been on the spot defensively at times this year, I thought played pretty well. He had to guard Jet Howard. Again, not an easy, not an easy cover. And I thought he held up very, very well. Look, it was ugly, but who cares? Al Davis, just win, baby. We saw, we saw the Illinois went into, or Wisconsin went into Illinois and lost. And so Illinois is now one and three, which we can, we'll talk about them when they come up here in a few games uh, and Wisconsin you know, lost. And so now it's a five-way tie as of as recording in first place in the big 10. So no one's going undefeated. Yeah. No one's going to be even close to undefeated. And who knows how many wins it's going to take to win the Big Ten? I mean, I, you could easily be fifteen. I mean, I think if you win sixteen games, you definitely win the Big Ten. I think at this point. Fit. Oh, I think sixteen to win it outright. I, I, I think I honestly do. I think we could be talking about fourteen, or God help us, maybe even thirteen. Um, it is just the the difference in ultimate ceiling between so many of these teams is very, very marginal. And so it's just going to depend on who you're playing, when you're playing them, where you're playing them, all these factors. And, and that stuff is going to ebb and flow all, all winter long. I mean, we're going to go the next two months and there are going to be so many fits and starts for this thing that, uh, yeah, trying to handicap the big 10 race at this point is a fool's errand, you know, and the other thing that's happening is you're starting to see yep. injuries or other absences starting to affect to to impact things. So just to do a quick recap of what's happened just over the last, say, four days or so. So you have Iowa with Patrick McCaffrey, who is on a, a an anxiety-related um, mm-hmm. stoppage yep. in his play. He's He's had problems with anxiety. He's not playing. I did see that he was on the bench for their game the other night against IU. Uh, but he didn't play. It doesn't sound like he's going to be immediately back. Um, and, you know, they were already, they'd been banged up with with Chris Murray out of the lineup, but just as he gets back, this hurts. Um, so who knows what happens there? 
Uh, Illinois had Sky Clark, their highly regarded freshman, uh, leave the team yesterday. Now, there's there's a lot of speculation out there as to whether that's he's permanently going, whether it's a mental health related thing that that might change as the year unfolds. I'm betting on permanent from what I've seen and kind of my read of it, but we'll see. Uh, but there's just absolute chaos in Champaign. I mean, that thing has not worked at all. And you read, I've read and heard lots of rumors as to what's going on. But the bottom line is their chemistry has been visibly awful. So it was not a surprise that somebody opted to leave. Um, that leaves them pretty thin at the point guard spot, by the way, even though Sky Clark was kind of struggling as a freshman in many ways. It still makes them down a body where they didn't have a lot of other options anyway. Now, you mentioned they did manage to beat Wisconsin at home today for their first Big Ten win, so Illinois is now 1-3. and three. But what is Illinois? Do, do you expect them to be a contender at this point? I, man, hell if I know. And then Indiana announced that um, Race Thompson is out with a knee injury indefinitely. They already lost Xavier Johnson, I believe, for the year or the bulk of the year at the very least. So that's two starters that they're down. I, I think it's hard to feel really great about IU at this point. Ohio State, in the middle of their giveaway against Purdue the other day, um, on Thursday, lost Zed Key to a shoulder separation. He's out indefinitely. I don't think that one's expected to be the rest of the season, but it could linger for a while. Um Oh, Wisconsin, Michigan State's next opponent. Tyler Wall got hurt the previous game to today, I believe with an ankle injury, and then he missed today's loss at Illinois. Uncertain status at this point as to whether he suits up against Michigan State. So we're throwing these kinds of things into what already seems to be a very closely bunched group of teams. So that's going to be a factor too, not just who you play, when you play them, where you play them, but who do you have available and who do they right. have available? Yeah. Well, probably those teams should have gone to the transfer portal and gotten some more players just in case something happens. Yeah. Why didn't they go get, why didn't they go get five guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, all right. Well, uh, we'll be back soon with our pregame for the Wisconsin Badgers. Until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.